this week, Netflix wants to add a plus. Uber is pleased that there's a minus. And Apple is working on a foldable iPhone. Those are some of the tech news stories from this week. And it's Friday, May 7th, 2021. Happy Mother's Day weekend to all the moms out there. My name is Kirk Corliss. And I'm Scott Ertz. And this episode 89 of the GNC Week in Review podcast, par- proud partner of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Thank you so much for streaming. Uh, thank you so much for, st- let me get the words out. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. We are streaming live on gncweekly.com slash live. So please be sure to say hello in chat or comment. Also be sure to like and subscribe to the GNC WIR, uh, WIR channel on YouTube. If you missed the live video, that's okay. You can always catch the replay later. If you are a listener, please be sure to subscribe to podcasts where you can find on the right-hand side column at gncweekly.com, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. If you have a comment, be it on social media or email, and those links can be found at gncweekly.com forward slash connect. So it's a little bit, I mean, a really a little bit light, uh, light tech news this week. <clears throat> um, so okay. Yeah, so. We need one of those every once in a while. Exactly, yeah. And also, again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Um, so hope you have a great weekend. Um, so we're going to jump in with the tech news. And, and it's good that that restrictions are starting to loosen up around the country and people yes. can actually interact with their families this weekend. Yay. No. <laughs> Well, so I don't know. A lot of states that have been really strict for, for a while. So it's good to see, you know, people will actually get to spend time with their mothers on Mother's Day mm-hmm. and go out to eat. And I know for where I live, um, there is some restrictions, but both my wife and my, my mom does not want to go out to any restaurants. And also when both Mother's Day, Mother's Day going out to eat, <laughs> every restaurant yeah. you go to is booked and you have to, and, you have to get up early to get, to get a seat. And then, and then add to it the fact that people haven't been going out for a year mm-hmm. and people are going to want to for the first time. It's not going to make anything better. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Not better. No, it, no. And I know for me, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be eating outside and, you know, and sitting out in the, in the dirty parking lot and enjoying the exhaust fumes as traffic rolls by. So, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, <clears throat> Hopefully, I'll think of something um, for this weekend. So, again, hope you all have, all moms have a um, great Mother's Day weekend, no matter how you spend it with your with your moms. All right, so we're going to dive into the news of the week. First in, um, Netflix, is, this is coming from a report from Protocol, where Netflix is, is toying with the idea of rolling out a new service called N+. The... Uh, Netflix recently sent a survey sent out a survey to some users asking them if they would be interested in accessing new content such as podcasts, uh, user generated playlists, how to's and more. Netflix is describing the N plus as a quote, future online space where you can learn more about the best Netflix shows and things related to them. Until now, Netflix has been posting behind-the-scenes interviews, podcasts, and other similar content through YouTube, Instagram, other social media platforms. 
along with behind the scenes content. Um, however, N plus will also come with a few other useful features N plus users be able to create lists of their favorite shows on Netflix and share them with their friends. The service may even list music from TV shows and allow users to create custom playlists from it. Another feature that Netflix that's is considering. The that's the feature. That, that's the one. <laughs> Sign me up. That's the one. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good idea. Because um, I always akin to liking TV theme, uh, TV, uh, TV theme music. There was, um, there was a time when even like TV commercials were putting the like it was a music video. They mm -hmm. would put the in the corner. They'd put what the song was, and that was the best thing that's ever happened. And all of a sudden, I don't know why they stopped doing that. Actually, Ford Ford's still running commercials. Uh, they? Commer yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they I, are. They're running their commercials in that. I think I'm that's so, the one. I'm of so glad because it was such a great idea. Because you hear mm -hmm. that song, uh, one of the one of the most famous uh, people went, had to go searching for it was the the Internet Explorer commercial song because everybody was like, um, I don't care about the browser, but that song is great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Spotify said it was one of the most searched songs uh, and uh, Shazam did too, that it was one of the most searched songs uh, of the year that year hmm. because it was such a great song and so weird because the whole rest of his catalog didn't sound anything like that. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Microsoft had a, had a song or what they use it for. where they get it from? What was the song? Um, I'm trying, I don't remember the guy's name now because I mean, it was how long ago was, uh, <laughs> was IE the thing that they were pushing? Um, hmm. oh, Alex Claire too close. I think that's the one. Okay. I Still don't know what that is, what that song is. Can't play it. That right, we can't play it. Yeah, so yeah, we, we don't get to, yeah, we don't want to get you know taken down. Um, okay, but yeah, Alex, Alex Claire, too close. Uh, for our our listeners and viewers, go check it out. Uh, it was a it was a great song, and everybody was like, "Wow, this is what's that song? I need it." Hmm. And but they, that was before companies were putting it in the corner and I was so right. glad when they started doing that. So the idea of integrating that into part of Netflix, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's some shows like Queer Eye, right. Then mm -hmm. since, since the original cast has been famous for having amazing soundtracks. Mm -hmm. um, I have it on my, I have it on my Amazon queue. I have it on my Amazon playlist. So I love it. It's a good, they have great, they have good, really all. They have some really good songs on there. Yeah, and you know the first, I think the first two seasons they put out a compilation disc mm -hmm. of of you know the songs from each episode. Uh, yeah. But Netflix hasn't been doing that, and it would be nice to have some great way of identifying without having to grab Shazam and hope that you catch it in time. Especially if you're on TV, if you're on Netflix, you can rewind and try it again. But you know to be able to go and say what song is it, that would be great. Mm -hmm. And I think with the, I, I know with the, I don't, I know like I, with, with, with Ford, I know they had their music and I'm pretty sure I think during this, one of the, I don't know if it was this Super Bowl, this past Super Bowl or the year before, they did have a Shazam logo. Um, they integrated, um, I guess they were doing like a, um, a co-branding or co, or co um, marketing ploy to, I don't know if it was a contest or something like that, but they, they did have Shazam on it and the commercial 
and I'm pretty sure it's won the, the Super Bowl, not this year. It may have been the year before, but um, yeah. So the other the other feature that Netflix is considering for N Plus is to allow users to quote learn about a planned show and influence its development with feedback before filming has finished. N Plus might also include reviews of popular Netflix shows from users. A Netflix spokesperson told Protocol that the survey was just part of the company's, quote, regular efforts to gauge audience interests on new features, and they didn't have anything more to share for now. So I think what, to me, and my, to me, maybe I'm, what Amazon's doing, what Amazon has done is they have their movies, TVs, music, also podcasts. So I think uh-huh. that, so is it seem that Netflix and other streaming services are going to go into that same play as well? Yeah, it's it's not the first time there's been talk about uh, Netflix getting into uh, uh, lower production content, including podcasts. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, what goes into a podcast is very different than what goes into uh, Stranger Things. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, what what you and I do versus um the the I don't know, those those weekly shows you know, are very different. So, right. you know, uh, there's been talk about them getting into that before. Um so I expect that any day, honestly. So this is not a huge surprise. Some of it, some of it is. I really like the idea Essentially, they've pitched Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the idea to interact with shows before they're produced and things like that. They've pitched Patreon, which is fine. Yeah. Um, it's, it makes sense. Um, and we did talk about, you know, we were before we came on air, we did talk about doing something you know, similar, like a a pre-show prior to coming on and maybe put that, you know, do that as a Patreon. And again, you know, I, you know, I said that earlier before we came on, on air, you know, I'm open to it. I mean, I, you know, it'd be great to like have, but also too, also too, um, maybe the Netflix, if Netflix decides to do this, which is, which to me, it's great to have the cumbersome, because now um, I've watched all my Hulu. Everything's out of my Hulu playlist. I'm now on Netflix. I still have, I'm still watching uh, The Floor's Lava. No, I, I'm still. I'm now getting into my Netflix queue now. After after the past, I would say a couple of years, it's been dormant. I am like all. I am, yeah. It's. <laughs> I had to play catch up on my Hulu queue for like the longest time. Trust me, I'm a devoted TV. My when I watch episodes or CDs, great stuff on TV, I have to put in Hulu. So yeah, I'm, you know, I know I'm, I'm not binge watching, but I just want to go through each one. But now I'm in Netflix now. So I'm, I'm all in. I'm watching right now, the circle, the first season. Great show. It's odd, but it's great. It, it's so interesting. Cause I, I recently finished the second season cause it finished on Wednesday and um no spoilers <laughs> no somebody wins um right, right. <laughs> uh, um and they have to face their past but yeah that okay right that's the premise of the show <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah so obviously there was a lot of time between the first and the second season mm-hmm. and so i didn't exactly notice the differences between the first and the second. And then I started to rewatch the first. And I'm like, oh, wow. The graphics in the first season were terrible. Uh, hmm. Like the alert graphics and stuff were, yep. were like super mid 2000s instead of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's fun because you can start 
you can start recognizing the rooms. You're, okay. Because you're like, oh, that's you get into season two. You're like, oh, that was uh, his room from season one. That's fun. <laughs> okay, good, good, good to know when I when I catch up. But I was going to say with the with it's they're all in, you know. But my hope, my concern is that with all the streaming services, Hulu increased their prices, Disney Plus increased their prices. In every, fairness, both owned by Disney. True. Agreed. So my thing is, though, do you think that this is where this is all speculative that we're that dissecting it as we go? So do you think it's do you think yay or nay that if they do introduce N plus, I'm in, I'm in for it. But because I'm, you know, because I as as the uh, as I'm having so many different streaming services that I have. Um, do you think that uh, that, Netflix, that if they add this, do you think they're going to increase their monthly subscription fees? I think this will be an optional ad- add-on. Okay. Not as a as a full all-in service. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'd keep your regular plan for nine ninety nine or ten ninety nine or whatever it is now, um, and then this would be three bucks or whatever. This would be this would be like uh, Hulu with no ads. Okay. This would just be a, a feature that you can add to your subscription. That's my guess. Um, okay. That's what that that's what the plus suggests to me mm-hmm. in this case, because if you're going with Hulu's naming, Hulu Plus was a paid subscription on top right. of the so, and right. it's just a guess. But right. I I would say that like Patreon, it's a it's an add on on top of the content. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see, I can see that. I mean, again, if it's if it's gonna, I'm I'm all in for it. If, but also too, it'd be good that, you know. But they're also again, what with their play when they're adding, you know, they're saying that we're gonna add podcast, you know, for us, you know, for our for our podcast and you know, plug it's live, um, you know, and Geek News Central and TPN. If TPN is on Netflix, you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome i will um, figure out how to be there day one there there you go so i'm 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 in um, i was with amazon music i was right. there day one i was mm-hmm. on pandora day one except for f5 live because they couldn't figure out i imagine todd was also missing because they could not figure out what a feed with that many items in it mm-hmm. for tpn or T- for tpn or geek news central for geek news central because i know we prune uh, i know we prune uh tpn Mm-hmm. But I don't think Todd's main feed uh, prunes hmm. uh, for for new uh, ingestion. So okay, uh, so I bet I bet Pandora panicked on him too. I bet <laughs> he's got way. The thing that really killed me was uh, F five Live panicked, but uh, special events didn't. And I don't prune special events either. Okay. I got way more Plug Hits Live Presents episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> than I have F5 Live episodes. Yeah, so that. I don't know what the panic was. But hmm. uh, but yeah, I I was on both of those on day one. I will be on Netflix day one too. I don't know what it'll take. I don't <laughs> Yeah. I mean I'm I'm all in I'm all in if if it's if there isn't that. And I think that because because Amazon's like the go-to place. For again, TV, movie shows, podcasts, um, audiobooks, what have you. Mm-hmm. So Netflix is like, you know, well, if they're going to do it, why don't we jump in? Yeah. You know, and they're adding more and more content because I just got a, a notification they're adding more series this coming week and also next month. So to have like direct the new 
stuff come in and you see like you, a podcast you've never heard before, maybe, you know, perhaps something I would enjoy. I'll be more than happy to be happy to, uh, to listen to it. Like nobody's recommendation engine is as good as Netflix's. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Nobody has a recommendation engine as strong as Netflix. Yeah. They are so confident in their recommendation engine that they rolled out, uh, play something for everybody this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that is confidence in your, in your algorithm that I'm going to hit a button and it's going to randomly pick something that you're confident. I'm going to enjoy. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. hubris. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is, that is a level of confidence in your algorithm that, as a software engineer, I could never have. I could never have that kind of confidence. Yeah, I no, I'm no. There, all the recommendations that I'm that I'm seeing, with exceptions of ones that you mentioned, um, are are spot on. Yeah, and so spot on. You know, if they're able to take your TV and movie recommendations and start recommending podcasts, because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, if there's a couple of circle podcasts out there that. That they might want to, like, that they do an episode-to-episode thing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, After Stranger Things, I think mm-hmm. was the name of the this, the companion series that they did, where they kind of addressed stuff as the show went on. Mm-hmm. In season two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would make sense. And yeah. they'd, be able to, they'd be able to use your watching habits to know that you wanted to watch that. And that's really scary that they know what you like. They, it's, I mean, it's like dead on, like dead yeah, on yeah. accurate. It's so like, you can't, and you're right. Amazon, you can't even touch that. Yeah. Um, it's, other Amazon's is okay, but yeah. I get a lot of, I get a lot of stand up comedy, which is accurate, mm-hmm. but not necessarily stand up comedy from comedians that I would enjoy. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so like their genre is right, but their details are wrong. But Netflix, Netflix knows to, I mean, Netflix knows to send me an email when, when Jimmy Carr's got new content, like they've got that down. <laughs> and so, you know, if they could put, put that to work on external content, I think that would be a good thing Yeah, for them and for the viewers. Yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely absolutely, absolutely agree with you. agree with you on that 110%. So we'll see what happens um, in the next few weeks, maybe few months i i don't think they're going to, they're going to probably put this out i would say within the next couple months maybe six months maybe less than before that, the maybe. end of the year yeah yep yeah so we'll definitely um we'll definitely uh keep an eye on it and uh if anything comes up we'll definitely keep you apprised on the latest developments other news this week uber beat is Beat estimates on its top line and dramatically improved its net losses in its first quarter, but missed on revenue. Shares initially gained in after-hours trading before dipping more than 4.5%. So here's what um, Uber did versus the expectations. The loss um, was $0.06 versus 54% expected. This is according to a consensus of analysis surveyed by Refinitiv. Revenue at $2.90 billion versus $3.29 billion expected. 
overall Uber's net loss was $108 million. So this is a, they wow. feel that this is a major, tremendous improvement from a $968 million loss in the fourth, in its fourth quarter of 2020. But that was largely due to a $1.6 $1. billion gain from the sale of its self-driving unit, ATG. Uber's operating loss was still high for the quarter at more than $1.5 billion. Uber reaffirmed its expectations to reach profitability on adjusted EBITDA basis by the end of this year. Its adjusted EBITDA loss was $359 million, which improved by $95 million from the prior quarter. So for those who don't know what EBITDA means, it refers to earnings before interest, taxes, depre depreciation, and amortization. The company says mobility take said its mobility take rate is expected to decline about 20% a second quarter. CFO Nelson Chai said on the call with investors, quote, for the remainder of the year, I will remind you that delivery gross bookings, your year comparisons become tougher as we continue to face significant forecasting uncertainty and predicting post-reopening consumer behavior. CEO Dara Karjo, oh, wow, <laughs> this is a mouthful and my, I'm tongue-tied already. CEO Dara Karashari, if I mispronounce his first name, I apologize, um, said on a call with investors, quote, we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uber is starting to fire on all cylinders as more consumers are riding with us again while continuing to use our expanding delivery offerings. In an update to show orders, the company said that merchants on Uber Eats exceeded 700,000 in the first quarter. With the additions of Mr. Beast Burger, Rite Aid, and Smoothie King, the company also entered an agreement with GoPuff to offer more convenience store and grocery items starting in June. Ride-hailing trends are starting to improve in some markets, uh, Karashi said, adding, quote, uh, adding, he's optimistic this trend should accelerate going forward. Uber said it has approximately 3.5 million drivers and couriers on its platform, up 4% quarter over quarter, but still down 22% year over year. So with this pandemic happened in January, well, mid, like early January 2020 to now, you know, things are improving. Uber is more on a uh, on an uphill battle to get to get more uh, to gain more um, to gain more revenue. Now it's important to note that Uber has never been profitable. Mm -hmm. So the the fact that they came in uh, at a hundred eight million in, in uh, net loss is actually. Pretty impressive for this organization who I seems to just write blank checks to I don't know who. I have no idea what their operating expenses could possibly be other than some software engineers, some sales guys, and, and the drivers. I don't know what their operating expenses are, mm -hmm. but they write a lot of checks. Mm -hmm. They spend a lot of money, and it is baffling to me yeah and also too they're more from what i understand they're they're more um akin akin to the uber eats um services than the actual than actual drivers if yeah. that's and they just they just purchased postmates was that them that bought them yes yeah so so there was expense there 
mm-hmm. uh, and yet still only 108 million, right? They spend a lot of money on Postmates and yet no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's a good sign. It, mm-hmm. It's a good sign. Maybe someday uh, Uber will be profitable or one day the sky will be pink. Um, <laughs> good analogy. <laughs> I, I don't know. If... <sighs> Do you enjoy that? I uh, did. Are you going to be okay over that? I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> um, in, it's the, way, the way you just delivered it, it just... <laughs> in the early days of F5 Live, um, before it was called that, actually, uh, long before it was called that, um, one of the topics that one of our co-hosts at the time uh, was obsessed with was Twitter because they didn't have a business plan. They They'd get these more than billion dollar investment rounds and he's like why do people keep putting money into this mm-hmm. they don't have a plan to pay you back what are we doing and uh uber seems to be operating under the same model mm-hmm. of we're not really worried about ever paying our investors back so long as they keep writing us blank checks mm-hmm. uh well, maybe Twitter, Twitter a decade later still hasn't paid its investors back. <laughs> well, maybe, and it probably goes with Twitter. Maybe I think that when they initially had the idea of not, I'm sorry, let me let me back up. Maybe with the, with the the concept of Uber, they were thinking, why are we paying for a taxi? Why are we waiting for a bus? Why are we, you know, why don't we just have our own? You know, we can ha- have their own their have drivers have drive their own cars, not worry about, you know, um, us paying any fees or gas or. And, and dealing with, cause I, so I, I worked on a project in the taxi space mm. be, just before Uber. Mm-hmm. And um, there were all these weird, like there's all these weird rules with taxis, like drivers, rent the cars uh from the from the taxi company mm-hmm. um and then basically just keep the money um because they can't be trusted to actually pay the taxi companies back <laughs> so so credit cards in taxis were a possibility on how to make that work but then mm-hmm. they, they taxi companies are essentially dispatched hertz they're because they don't actually make money on the transactions because they don't trust the drivers to pay them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got these weird zones that you're not allowed in and out of. And so it, it's all very strange. And, and, you know, we, we said, why, why not get rid of all the zones and stuff? Let the drivers right. go to the place where they know people are because mm-hmm. they know better than you do. Where right. People are. Right. Because they're out on the street. They mm-hmm. know that you may know that CES is happening mm-hmm. this week, but mm-hmm. you don't know about uh showstoppers mm-hmm. at at uh at the win, right? Yep. So we're gonna need people at the win, but you don't know about that. The drivers do. <laughs> right. And, and so I- this Uber's whole pitch was here are all the problems with taxi companies. 
Exactly. And so let's figure out how we can eliminate most, if not all of those problems. And they did. Yeah. They, they found all the holes mm-hmm. and plugged them and, and made a service. I mean, when we go, when we go to Vegas, mm-hmm. how often are we in a taxi? Maybe once a year. And that's right. only if things have gone really sideways, <laughs> but, but we live, we live the entire week in yep. Uber and Lyft. Yep. Well, so, the, <laughs> yep. I was in 2018. I used Uber exclusively. Uh, 20 last year or 2021. Okay. Uh, 2020, I did use Uber except for one time that I had to get a taxi because of my injury. <laughs> and and uh. the, Uber, the Uber, I was waiting outside of the LBCC um, and the, the, I, Got waited for a lift. Um, told you know I followed him. He called me. He says where am I at? I told him where I was at. He was on the other side of the parking lot or way on the other side of the convention center. And after about ten minutes, I'm like, screw this. So um, mm-hmm. I so I waited for it. So I got a taxi, and surprisingly, um, <laughs> the taxi was a, was a pleasant drive. <laughs> so that was the one time I used a taxi. But also for those who don't know, going into Vegas when if you're going to Vegas for any vacation well not necessarily CES yes because it's it's packed but we always say do not use a taxi because it is extremely expensive mm-hmm. extremely expensive expensive so i rec- i highly recommend we highly recommend unless it's the busy it- time of day and you're mm-hmm. going to a hotel from the airport mm-hmm. in which case you can guaranteed get it for 39 or something like that which yep you know when when surge prices are in effect exactly Vegas, ooh, Vegas can get real expensive on Uber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're going if you're going to Vegas for traveling, um, for vacation or what have you, whatever event you're celebrating, birthday, what have you, have both Uber <laughs> and Lyft installed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, get a if you've never used one of them before, get a discount code. Yep. Uh, if if you need one, message us. Yep. Jansweekly.com uh, slash connect. <laughs> um, I've I've got discount codes for both. Uh, Same here. Same here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's they, they they walked into a space that was chaotic, found the chaos, and worked around it, and made a better service. Usually, yeah. But the but but they can't figure out how to make it profitable. And that so. goes back to goes back to the question how they make money. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know who there's any major there's any investors in it i haven't seen anything recently or um there's any major investors in uber everybody every every major investor has got money in uber okay because everybody's just like twitter everybody's hoping that one day they'll figure it out mm -hmm. there's so much potential the cab companies are so profitable right and yet uber can't figure out how to do the same thing yeah. And but of course Uber is fighting all these legal battles, right? Mm-hmm. You got California that's trying to put them out of business and now now the federal government's trying to to enforce the same thing that that almost screwed California up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're constantly fighting these these legal battles that don't make it less expensive to operate. Yeah. So, 
Well, I would love to. Uh, I'm not going to invest <laughs> if, if it's going in. But if you see the writing writings on a wall that's not making money, then you need to uh, change up your uh, <laughs> change up your investment uh, investment uh, investments. All right. Other news week. Um, now, there's been some there's been a lot of rumors about the affordable about a affordable affordable iPhone, um, but there's a new one that has a little more weight to it. Um, Ming Cho, Apple analyst uh, Ming Cho Ko, um, told investors that Apple plans to launch an eight-inch affordable iPhone by 2023. There are some; these are from documents that are seen by that were seen by Engadget, and an article from Mac Rumors. The report is based on a quote industry survey. <clears throat> excuse me, predicts that Apple plans to sell 15 to 20 million units in 2023. Uh, Ku said he uh, already revealed the possibility of a folding of uh, a folding iPhone in March, but his latest report has some more detail on suppliers. It predicts that QHD plus flexible OLED will be supplied by Samsung Display, while the DDI Display Controller will come from Sam, Samsung Foundry. It also knows that Apple will use will use silver nanowire touch tech supplied by TP, TPK. Quote, because of its several advantages over Samsung's Y-Octa technology. And I asked this question before, and I know there's the, the Apple diehard Apple fanboys are going to get get this, but for the life of me, what is the need for a foldable phone? <laughs> Why? You have Samsung and that's it, unless I'm missing another one. Micro, it depends on what we're talking about, a foldable phone, because Microsoft's got the Surface Duo. Right. Um, there's the one from Huawei. That's more like the Samsung, and there was at least one other that was bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't particularly like the way the screens look and work on the single screen uh, foldables. Mm. Maybe someday they'll get it right, but that gap down the middle, mm-hmm. now it's, you can tell, it's a different screen. <laughs> It is right. a very different technology, and it looks very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes it look like a non-premium device. And so if you're spending, you know, look at Samsung. If you're spending $1,800 on a phone, mm-hmm. oh, it better look and feel premium. Mm-hmm. And that does not. So that might be why Apple's been holding off. Um, they might also have been holding off to see if there was actually demand. Um but isn't that? But isn't there though demand for affordable? I don't. I mean, affordable phone. Period. I mean, again, I know the Apple, the Apple fanboys, and again, for those that want to get it, I'm, you know, I'm happy for you. But I just don't see the consumer need overall. I have not seen in the wild. Uh, yeah, I have not seen in the wild people yeah. with foldable phones, with the exception of a very small, but fraction of a couple people you for instance maybe <laughs> you know but but as far as like as overall as overall i've seen people i have seen people with iphones i've seen people with samsung galaxy galaxy phones i've seen mm-hmm. the s series the S series um yeah. but not but not like in many people there's like i see a need or from from anyone, a majority of the people in in this country, in the United States, I mean, I imagine overseas is different, but um, to see there's a really a, a high need for something that has a lot of flaws. Case in point, the screen. Case in point, the the quote unquote the flexi- the the flexibility of the, of yeah. the devices. Um, I just don't because we all remember the first Samsung Galaxy Fold. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Who who was it? In Gadget, it was uh, Gadget. broke their screen in the first week. No, it was no. I think it was uh, it was either In Gadget or The Verge um, reported it. I, one of them broke the somebody, first. yeah, somebody, yeah, and it fell apart real fast. Yep. Um, which is part of the reason why I'm not a big fan of the, the, that particular technology and why I went with the Duo. Mm-hmm. Um, is because it knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not trying to be tricky. And make you think there's a full screen in the middle. There's not. It's a different screen. It's very different. It's very sad. You will hate it. Um, because I do. Um, I I understand the idea of being able to put a tablet in your pocket. That concept is theoretically solid, but the technology's not. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. Because you know, eight inch is a an iPad Mini, right? That that you can then put in your pocket without wearing Jinko jeans. <laughs> um, it's an attractive premise, mm-hmm. but it, it, <laughs> does right. it does it work out that way in reality? I don't know. I kind of like the side by side snap personally, um, but. You know, it all around. It's a it's a, a niche product. It's exactly. not. It is not intended to be an everybody everyday product. This right. is a niche product, and that's okay because sometimes you need weird products. Uh, Look at and Apple's never been afraid. They've never shied away from the weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the Newton. Uh, right. Stupid product. And so. Mm-hmm. But for the report, his report um, saying that they plan to sell 15 to 20 million units in 2023. They also uh, thought that they were going to sell a lot of the uh, iPhone minis. Right. That, yeah, that was a, that was a real <laughs> miscalculation. Let's exactly. Nice. It was a right. miscalculation. <laughs> right. But also too the, you know, the, the, I, yeah, I don't think this is like a really, you know, this is going to be, I think that with this foldable phone or be a Samsung, whomever, it's just going to be a fad. To be honest, it's not going to be TVs. like. There you go. <laughs> there you yeah. go. It's Avram and I said it. We made that exact comparison uh, when they first started coming about. We said 3D TVs. That's what these are. These are our modern 3D TVs. They'll be popular for a couple of years. Right. Um, and then. We'll never hear about them again. Mm-hmm. At, at least this time, Nintendo got ahead of the trend <laughs> with the with the 3DS. Mm-hmm. They they took the past trend and the future trend and put them in one product and was able to move past it. All look, in one fell swoop. And look how and look and look how well they're selling too. Well, not yeah. those. Those no, are discontinued. No. Oh, okay. But they no, they are the... still they're they're still the the best selling console of all time. Okay, I was thinking that for whatever reason, I was thinking of the, of the uh, Switch for whatever Switch. reason. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. So I well, this is a, this is something that's going to have to keep in. Again, we're going to keep a close eye on that too. All right. Next up, shipments of Chromebooks reached 12 million globally in the first three months of 2021. This is coming from an analyst, um, uh, Kennelis, which pegged the year on year growth at a stratospheric 275 percent the vendor with the largest total number of sales was hp of 
course. Mm-hmm. With I would four, expect nothing less, right? With four point three, with four point thirty six million units, um, up six hundred three six hundred thirty three point seven percent year over year. Ooh. HB said uh, Chromebook sales had quadrupled in its Q one ended thir- ended January thirty first to account for one point six hundred. $1.69 billion or 16% of its PC business revenues. HP Enrique Loris um, sounded like the company could have sold more if only those pesky component shortages have been a turning factor, saying on a uh, Q1 conference call, quote, it had, quote, increased inventory and was, quote, cha- changing the connections that we have with certain component providers. Shores of components, especially specifically ICs, display panels, and CPUs, have been a feature of tech industry um, since the pandemic forced demand for PCs through the through roof. As a relatively low margin of piece of hardware, Chromebook supply cannot match customer orders. Trailing HP was Lenovo, which grew its shipments to 3.1 million from a base of 760,000 a year earlier. Third place Acer shipped 1.2 Four hundred twenty-eight million units to distributors and retailers in a quarter. That is a steep drop-off, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is go from high to low. Um, 3.1, 1. Uh, 3. 1. 1.4. Right, Ooh, steep drop-off. Drop, right. Uh, HP and Lenovo are owning this space, is what mm-hmm. that means. Up from five hundred fourteen thousand. The quarter saw the emergence of Samsung as a competitor player in the Chromebook space, growing from fifty-one thousand in Q1 2020 to one point two million. So there's a bump up with Samsung. During 2020, Samsung expanded its Chromebook lineup with a with new models and pushed into new territories. At the tail end of the year, Samsung launched its basic Chromebook 4 and 4 Plus machines in the UK. Following their 2019 launch in the U.S. and South Korea, uh, the company also released a flood of more expensive Chromebooks, including the Galaxy model. The successor to this machine introduced earlier this year is also the first Chrome OS device to come with a QLED display. Brian Lynch, Catalyst Research Analyst, said the results confirmed the transformation of Chromebooks into a mainstreaming computing mainstream computing product, which is true because ever since the when the pandemic started and everyone go back to going working from home, kids at home, you know, that's been the the tool to have um, for internet usage, not necessarily PC usage or uh, Mac usage, but uh, internet usage nonetheless. I think those two statements don't mean the same. I agree with you 100%. Mm. Um, I believe that that especially for education, which almost certainly is where a hundred percent of this growth comes from, mm-hmm. uh, um, it has become uh, an essential part of the day. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that makes it a mainstream computing product. Mm. No, you're right. I I think I think his analysis is incorrect. I don't think that makes it a mainstream computing product. No, I think. It was an inexpensive solution to an unexpected and immediate problem. Mm-hmm. Right, because I know my daughter uses um, uses my Chromebook when she was in school, and um, you know, and again, I don't think that like you and I, you know, because we have our own, you know computers. So as far as the mainstream, I think maybe. It's kind of the statement's kind of skewed. I think maybe speculating again, dissecting it, maybe it's possibly leaning towards mainstream computer product for education use, and not and not 
overall use. If that makes sense. That still makes it a niche product. That's right. <laughs> Right. Being being heavily focused in one industry doesn't make it mainstream. It's literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. 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 It's, well, I guess I'm it is a very successful niche product, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like we were just talking about with foldable phones. Right. If you can find uh a, or create a market, great. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be everybody. You, doesn't have to be everything to everybody. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Apple has done in the old days. Apple did very well not trying to be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more they try, the more they get themselves in trouble. So sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, being a boutique vendor, it's fine. Being a boutique product line, it's fine. And I think that's what Chromebooks are. I think they are a very successful boutique product. Okay. Which is which is. Fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can get an HP Chromebook for like one twenty nine. Mm-hmm. If if you are a school district looking for uh, an inexpensive entry uh, into computing for your for your schools for your students, one twenty nine a device is a very attractive thing because mm-hmm. you're you're not going to get. I mean, there's the those blue HP. I don't remember. They were like candy colored laptops i don't remember what they were called um that were 169 mm. uh running windows 10 home um they were everywhere at ces a couple of years ago okay. uh <laughs> on the, the escalator to the monorail it was all branded with them um hmm. but yeah but still if you're buying 10 of them okay that 40 dollars may not make a huge difference if you're buying 10,000 of them mm-hmm. <laughs> that $40 device suddenly becomes very important. And so I, it makes sense, but you're yeah. not, you're not going to see them in business all that much. Right. right. That's what I mean. That's what I meant. You're I not. Mean. And for regular consumer use, people are still, it's like 60, no, 70, 20, 10 or something like that for, Windows, Mac, and Chrome. But that's fine. That's mm-hmm. not who they're trying to target. They're doing really right. well where they want to be. So good on them. But that still yeah. doesn't make it a mainstream computing product. Right. No, I agree. That's why I, I think that's where I'm thinking, me thinking as far as a product, not mainstream, but it's for a general use, again, for education. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, you know, again, you and I, I um, work from home, you know, we all have our own computers. So I don't think you can actually take, if you're using, for your for your employer, I don't. You're not going to necessarily need. You don't. They're not going to ask you for a Chromebook because you can't really do. I mean, you can do some things. You can do like Google Sheets and Google Docs and what have you. But when it comes well, to, anything anything Android, so you can get uh, a full Office too. Right. Oh, right. You're right. They did, I think they introduced that. Did they introduce that last week? I believe. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as like the as far as computing power is concerned, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, you really don't. I mean, you there's no way you can eat, you cannot do actual labor intensive work. They're netbooks, exactly. They're netbooks, and we all remember how well those worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yep. they're on a scaled down operating system. Yeah, uh, which I mean, Microsoft did try to create a scaled down, oh, Windows Seven Starter Edition uh, for netbooks, but this is designed to be lightweight from the beginning. So. Yep. Yeah, it's, the, for him it's a to, good space. 
Yeah, and for this, and you're right, for this analyst, I, I, this analyst would say it's a mainstream computer product. It's not, I, I have, I, I would agree with you on that. I think it's more a successful you know, boutique product. Right. It's more mainstream. It's more of a, you know, a mainstream. It owns uh, a market. Exactly. That's it owns the education. And that's mm-hmm. good on him. That's where I, yeah, exactly. That's what I think. So he needs to work on his, uh, <laughs> on his uh, analysis a little better. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Chrome uh, and the other, yeah, speaking of Chrome <laughs> in a sense, um, Google on Wednesday says offering employees more options as the company begins to, begins to welcome workers back into the offices, including some employees, the ability to work from home permanently. In December, CEO Sundar Pichai announced a plan for a hybrid work model with employees typically coming into the office three days a week. On Wednesday, Pichai told employees in a memo that they expect 20% of the company to permanently work remotely. The company said another 20% employees could work from a Google office other than their normally assigned one if they wanted to. The other 40% will be working from their normal work from their normal office campus two days a week. Google was one of the first big companies to let uh, to let its massive employee base work from home when the coronavirus pandemic took hold. The company won't require employees to return to offices in any capacity until September of this year. Google last week showed off new features that has planned to its for its offices in a post-pandemic work environment. They include inflatable balloon walls. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Standing desks that conform to the preferences of individual workers with a swipe of employee badge and outdoor camp style workspaces. I have no idea <laughs> what inflatable balloon walls are. And I'm just picturing in my head of what that looked like. <laughs> I I believe it would look very similar to a 1950s insane asylum. <laughs> straight jackets not included <laughs> right that has uh, to come out of your uh your thousand dollar work from home <laughs> budget yeah uh, for me i'm, I'm standing w- desks that conform <laughs> to the preferences of individual workers with the swipe of an employee badge mm-hmm. uh, that's the one that got me yeah. Inflatable balloon walls. I've seen pictures of Google's offices. I don't try to understand the weird things that they do. But yeah. does that mean that you can basically walk up to any <laughs> desk, swipe your thing, and the the desk will move to the height that you like it at? What if mm. I don't want to stand? What if I want to sit? sit. <laughs> and what if I always want to sit at the same place? Right. Because I do. Because I set up a fairly big <laughs> space. Mm-hmm. But what else also too, if you want to sit and you want and you want to like you want to uh, scoot around with the cha- and chairs and want to like roll from from one side to the other. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> Outdoor camp style workspaces. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I've been working outside a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the fact that the the Surface Book gets real hot. <laughs> <laughs> The legs were bright red the other day. Other, ooh, than, ooh. other than that, it's literally searing my legs. But it wasn't wasn't great. But you know, other than that, yeah, you know, I I've enjoyed it. My my regular work laptop is that soft touch, mm. so that's not as big of a deal because it doesn't it's not metal. It doesn't 
turn into a stove. Um, so I, I've been enjoying working outside lately and I kind of want to have a little outside workspace mm-hmm. so I can get, I get that one. I'm on board. I, well, I'm working from home still. We're month, our company um, is um, month to month. And first we were supposed to work at the end of last month. And now they're saying other this month. And also I've been hearing people talk about, you know, they're going to look at it each month. Me personally, I wouldn't mind working outside, you know, from time to time. Um, but of course, the, the customers I deal with and the other representatives I deal with, uh, if I hear, you know, if I need to get loud, <laughs> my neighbors across the street would be like, <laughs> of course, there's always weird noises coming outside anyway. So what the hell? Fair enough. <laughs> but, you know, but I think, you know, with also too, you know, working from home has some pluses and minuses, but, sure. um, but one thing is concerning is that I think, and a, lot, and a lot of people have said this to me privately is that a lot of these companies, you know, don't want to, cause they, when they have these buildings and I imagine Google as well, you know, they have the cost, uh, there's cost of the rent, the electric, um, the, uh, the heating, the oh, yeah. HVAC, um, and a lot of companies, including mine, you know, and a lot of people have told me privately, you know, that who have said that they don't, they feel that it's more cheaper keep employees at home um, where they don't have to pay for it. Cause my company doesn't pay for my internet nor my electric, um, which I balked about that because I'm spending, you know, I'm, I'm 50 up and 50 down um, and they're using my internet. You know, I mean, it doesn't it draws power. Granted, it's only for like eight hours a day, but and that was a horn for those that, speaking of outside. <laughs> my windows are open. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like some sort of a success noise. <laughs> speaking oh, of weird noise, <laughs> oh, I wonder. You just got an achievement. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a i'll talk about that later because i remember i saw something a second ago um so yeah so it's like um yeah so my whole thing is i agree i you know i shouldn't be have and also to the insurance as well because when you're at when you're in a company it god forbid something happens the company has insurance so god forbid i happen to step outside or i go into my kitchen and get something to drink and i slip and fall well, actually, scratch that because CES. But we were, I was a yeah. T- TD. You're going to do that anyway, right? <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I'm making sure I'm covered. I'm I'm protected up and down uh, this January. I sw- I'm I kid you not. I'm going to be I'm going to be like making sure that I'm going to have protection in some shape or form or or use that that one robot thing. leg, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> but. But you know, in all in seriousness, now this company is, you know, all these companies don't have to pay for anything practically. They're little, they're literally getting away, saving like tons of money, but at what cost? And that's why I question a lot of these companies. I mean, it's great that they're going to allow to work from home, and there's people that like working from home. That's great. I mean, I'm not. Please believe me, please. I mean, I'm not putting my saying that, you know, each person is different. If there's some people who work from home, God bless you. And That's different great. environments are different. Exactly as well. You're absolutely right. But I just question like. Abram somebody's... and I have dedicated workspace. Mm-hmm. So our working from home is very different than, you know, some of our colleagues who are working on kitchen tables. 
for a year, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that, that's a very different experience. It's one of the reasons why Google was one of the companies that was given, you know, thousand dollar allowances to buy work from home equipment mm -hmm. um, because they were saving a bunch of money, not having employees in the office. They didn't exactly. have to have the HVAC up all, you know, mm -hmm. all the way. They didn't, there were all kinds of things they didn't have to run. So they took that money and they literally gave it back to the employees to make their spaces better. Uh, but not everybody has done that. Um, which of course is unfortunate, but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, if, if you've got that dedicated space, it's one thing. Right. If you're trying to work within your, your regular home, it's very different because mm -hmm. you, well, you know, a Abram and I, at the beginning of work from home, we did a segment on things that you need. And one of the things was to carve out space because mm -hmm. otherwise you never feel like your work day is over. Right. You never feel like you're at work. Right. It is this weird, you know, combination of there's there's no beginning or end to your work day. Right. And that makes everything fuzzy. So yeah. My workspace, I don't really have my workspace is my is in my dining room. And um and I was concerned when I was working for I initially thought I'm not gonna have the space, you know, until there was a little bit of uh well, well you know, just deal with it which i did but i'm just i'm in over it's over a year now and it's like there's like i'm and i you know joke about it i'm like in this little bubble and you know and i'm upstairs in my you know my bedroom you know um which i have a nice little space you know which is great you know and, and i love it it's you know it's my home you know I, it's my home away from home you know you know when i rec we record the podcast you know for, and also geek me central when i'm you know, executive producer, you know, but it's like, I'm able to like, enjoy it. But it's like, when you're in your own home, it's like working. It's like, you know, when you leave from work, you know, you're in a different place and different, and also you're right. Also a different totally work environment, you know, but I just question some of these companies thinking, you know, um, where, why they, they, they choose to, you know, they're, they want to make their make money and, and, and I get that and profits and what have you, but I think at what, at what at sometimes I think at what cost. Yeah. I think the companies that, that are, are leaning into uh, the work from home thing. Cause I've, I've seen uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, on LinkedIn, some of the companies that I'm connected with um, are giving up their offices, uh, but they're taking those savings and they're giving them back to the employees. They're mm -hmm. offering to pay for internet. They're all, you know, things like let's get you a home office set up you know, like what Google did early on. Um, but the companies that aren't doing that are unfortunate. Yeah. I, if you're gonna, if you're gonna lean into it, you really need to, you can't go halfway. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not good for your employees. Yeah, I would love to. We'd love to like to hear from out from everyone out there listening and watching. You know, if you're working from home, uh, I'd like to know your thoughts. We'd like to know your thoughts about it. Um, you know, how long you've been working from home. You don't have to say if you don't want to give your name or your company name, business name. That's fine. We're not going to. We encourage you not to. <laughs> right. We're not. We'll. We'll um, want to be anonymous. That's fine. Just let us. Uh, let us know via um, gncweekly.com slash connect on Facebook, uh, Gmail, or Twitter. Um, or if you want to DM, DM one of us uh, privately and anonymously, you can definitely do that as well. 
All right, other top week, other news in this week, um, Sprint and AT&T and others have always been enticing promotions to get new customers, and Dish Boost Mobile is one of them. It's another one of them, excuse me. It's promising to connect new subscribers to K-Health. Among other perks, the online service allows you to chat with a doctor using an AI component. It can also suggest next steps when you're when you're showing specific symptoms. Boost Unlimited Plus plan will come with free access to K-Health's primary care subscription, which typically costs $9 per month starting this summer. Those on one of the care other plans will have the option to add a service for $8 per month or $1 less than you would pay for it usually. And if I am not, and this is a great deal and, you know, to get on Boost Mobile, but I'm not really, not really uh, keen on, <laughs> on chatting with a doctor via this and I'm questioning this a little bit. Telehealth has become a big business. You know, we've seen it, we've seen it kind of grow uh, during the last couple of CESs. Um, I am still hesitant on it, uh, yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. But the idea of you know AI-powered symptom checking mm-hmm. isn't new. That's WebMD, right? I was just going to say that. Yep. Um, but instead of going through a checklist, this is conversational style. So for for a lot of people, it would be easier. Right. It can ask you questions and you can answer yes or no, as opposed to going through, you know, a checklist and that that weird process that's not great for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly parts of it that make sense. Um if you're treating it like WebMD, I'm I, I get you, mm-hmm. which they absolutely have, but that's for free. The symptom checker process is free. Um they've got health guides for free. Um They've got popular treatments for common problems, but then they've got the chat with a doctor and things like that. My aunt has done telehealth, uh, telemedicine stuff because, um, you know, her husband is dealing with dementia and she's trying to take care of him and getting out of the house is not always an option. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- this could be a great option for a lot of people. And for $9 a month to be able to talk to a doctor. Mm-hmm. It's also a great solution for for people who are are limited on budget. But does it also? But you also like providing Boost Mobile with also with HIPAA, you know? Not to Boost Mobile. This is this is akin to um, getting Netflix for free with T-Mobile, uh, or getting Spotify for free because you're an Xbox Game Pass subscriber. Okay. Um, this is very similar to that. There's no direct connection except that there's a coupon. Oh, okay. This okay. is T-Mobile Tuesdays. There we go. This is T-Mobile Tuesdays. There you go. <laughs> um, here's a free year of MLB TV. Right. That's all this is. Um, so there's a partnership okay. between them. Uh, the high-end plans are getting it for free. The lower-end plans are getting a discount on the thing. But okay. it's not you're not sharing information with Dish uh, okay. Network. That's what I was okay. Okay. Yeah, you're, I was, you're sharing it with a with a medical organization uh who specializes okay. in medical data. Okay. Okay. So, All right. Cause I was concerned I, because when I was looking at looking at it and I was questioning it a little bit and I'm like, I don't know. No. <laughs> There'd be no way that they could set that up. Okay. 
Good. Okay. Um, my my concerns were alleviated. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. I I'm I'm still super medical privacy focused. Mm. Um, my my day job has a thing where if you do an annual physical or something, you can get they'll put money into a health account or I don't know. Mine too. It doesn't matter because because the the health insurance is uh, self-funded, mm-hmm. which means that the uh, physical information would go to the company. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yep. That's where yeah, my company does exactly uh, the same thing. Uh, I'll let you keep your money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my information. Right. I don't, I'm not interested in my employer having my physical results every year. No, thanks. Right. right. Not to mention, <laughs> not to mention all the other information about you that's that they know already so yeah yeah not interested um but (laughs) good but i'm getting i'm getting there on these telehealth platforms and there's certainly places where it makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. yeah okay cool so this is for you definitely um definitely check it out Next up, Google on Wednesday announced the launch of a new entertainment hub for Android tablets called Entertainment Space model on its kids-based app suite. The hub will include apps for video streaming, games, and books. Um, Google says it's seen over 30% more people starting using Android tablets compared to the prior year. Um, Google said in a press release on Wednesday, quote, once you sign into your subscription apps, Entertainment Space will show you your content in one place and tailored for you. And if you want to share your tablet, everyone in the family can have their own personalized profile. Entertainment space apps will be divided by uh, entertainment space apps will be divided by tab sections labeled watch games and read include YouTube, Google TV, Twitch, Hulu, Google Play Books, Google Play Games and others. Select games will be available to play without download and select audiobooks will be, led, will be available in the read tab. Entertainment space will be available starting this month first on Walmart owned tablets. It's on it's own, right? <laughs> it's own or on. It's own. Own. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Own. Okay. Let me make sure because last time I mispronounced it. <laughs> I, I apologize. I'm doing some research <laughs> okay. on this topic. Oh, good. Okay. So I got a little distracted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the hub will then be rolled out globally on all new and some existing Android tablets from Lenovo, Sharp, and other specified manufacturers. So if this sounds identical to google tv you're right Mm -hmm. it is it is almost exactly google tv with a different name on it just so everybody knows Mm. okay it is literally built on the google tv uh application framework Hmm. because i'm listening to this going they just released google tv which is all of the things you've just said so what's the difference oh there isn't one just the name yeah (laughs) and this is designed for a slightly smaller screen for touch versus tv but it's it's literally the same platform so no you're not going crazy google tv and entertainment space are the same thing (laughs) okay because as you were talking i'm like what are we doing did i did i take a nap it's (laughs) I know I took a nap earlier. How long was I asleep? I swear to God, we just talked about this 
a month ago, six weeks ago, mm-hmm. when the new Chromecast devices came out. Right. Chromecast with Google TV. Yeah. And then all the Android TVs got an update and replaced their <laughs> UI with a thing called Google TV. Mm-hmm. From Android TV. And now there's this thing called <laughs> called Entertainment Space. <laughs> it sounds exactly the same. Oh, it is. Great. Fine. <laughs> Thank well, you, 9to5 Google, for proving to me that I'm not insane. Right. And, not insane. and that listening to that was like, a fever dream <laughs> of a com- of an identical conversation we just had. And this is akin also probably to akin to Amazon because Amazon has exactly the same thing on, on their tablets. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> it's not the same company releasing two different products with this with different names that do the same thing within weeks of each other. Yeah. Which just, in fairness. Is Google's MO. Google does this crap all the time. They they've got, you know, they've got Android and Chrome OS and then Magenta. Mm-hmm. And then they've <laughs> and how the hell many communication platforms do they have? Right. Uh, on any given day, who knows? Because tomorrow they're gonna discontinue another one, right? Mm-hmm. And then by Thursday there'll be another one in its place. Don't worry. They <laughs> So duplicating efforts is nothing new for them. But the fact that it's all built on top of each other at yep. least makes me feel a little better. And something tells me they're going to have this on Killed. I don't know if you already see the Twitter Twitter account uh, or the website, excuse me, um, Killed by Google. Watch this one be next up on the, on the list. <laughs> oh. We used, to, we used to keep track of that, but then it, it turned into a full-time job, so we just dropped it. Well, I, I have I have the tw- I keep an eye on the on our Twitter account, and it's fascinating to see what happened. Well, he's been talking. Well, the guy that runs it is also lamenting other things as well, but but just to see the website and see things added over the past couple several year uh, several months to several years about what's been dropped is it's been fascinating. All the products they've been having or had. Speaking of TVs. Toshiba has introduced a new option to choose from if you're looking to buy a new Fire TV. They have launched a lineup of smart TVs with built-in Fire TV experience that will be available in five screen sizes. The 43-inch and the 50-inch variants are already listed on Amazon and Best Buy for $350 and $470 respectively, though they won't be in stock until May 13th, which is a week from yesterday at the earliest. Um, the company doesn't have a release for them yet. Um, Toshiba will also sell 55, 65, and 75 inch version of TVs in the future. The new 75 is a big boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the new smart power TVs have thinner bezels than Toshiba's previous model with an extra, with an extra HDMI and USB ports. They have a 4K resolution powered by the company's Resga, Resga engine. And they support Dolby Vision HDR10. Uh, since they run Amazon Fire OS, they have the features you expect from a Fire TV, including an ability to view video feeds from compatible video doorbell or cameras on top of where they're watching the screen. You can use voice commands to quickly change picture and sound settings as well. For instance, you can say, Alexa, set, I'm making sure my coming off, set picture mode to movie, or Alexa, set, set base of three. The voice remote, the voice, the voice remote and TVs come with will also give you the ability to control the power and volume of compatible audio, video receivers, and soundbars. According to 
AFTV news, the devices will ship with the older Fire TV interface, but they're getting the redesigned UI this summer. When it rolls out to older model, when it rolls out to older models, the refreshed UI comes with a new look and introduces user profiles. So up About to time. six. Six members of a household can customize their experiences. And speaking of profiles, I got my my wife is on Amazon account, so so this is great. So I can so I can have my own. She so can have hers, and and it, everybody wins wins. It's about time because basically everybody else already supports profiles. Mm-hmm. It's weird that it's taken this long for Fire TV to support it. Mm-hmm. Whatevs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And finally this week, and we talked, uh, report, reported last week about um, Verizon selling um, Yahoo and um, Yahoo and uh, AOL for five. Which was, which was confirmed this week. On Monday. Yep. And they sold, I believe it was $5 billion, which I thought would be a lot less. So it's interesting that AOL people are still using AOL's dial-up service, um, which is which is again fascinating to me. According to CNBC, the number of people who still uses AOL's dial-up service is quote in the low thousands. Um, this is from the contrast to 2.1 million people use the service in 2015. AOL is continuing to make good money from a subscription called AOL Advantage, which offers, quote, critical products for computer security, identity theft protection, premium technical support, and more. AOL Advantage reportedly has 1.5 million customers, each paying either $9.99 or uh, $14.99 per month, um, which is showing as a hefty and relatively passive income stream for the company. So... <laughs> it's amazing that in this day and age, people A are on or on dial on dial up, but B, you know, on on still on AOL service when there's plenty of providers out there, not to mention, not to mention if you're looking for computer security as you know, from a, uh, AOL's you know, description about security theft or identity theft protection and tech support, what have you. There's plenty of other services out there that are cheap for one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Second, um, there's uh, a lot of the computers Microsoft has their features that cost nothing. Uh-huh. Um, and so why would I'm just fascinated, fascinated that people are going to still purchase these things when it's from from aol like exactly literally from the brand that that makes you think that sounds scammy right right so easy to use no wonder it's number one uh that sounds like an infomercial that's that's not the tagline of a company who's built on trust right (laughs) so the idea that people would be spending uh Spending money, monthly money, mm-hmm. on right. security products from AOL, the sister company to Yahoo, the epitome of the hack. <laughs> right. Because yeah. everybody on the planet had their information stolen from Yahoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. 3.1 billion accounts or something like that. If yep. you have electricity, 
Yahoo gave up your info. Uh, that's, so, and AOL is the sister company, mm-hmm. not the company I'd go to for security products. Agreed. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's the obvious, though, not the ones I go to. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I don't personally. I, our show used to have a have a don't support Norton. Um, uh, or McAfee, right? Who's had 18 owners over the last seems like six hours. Every time you turn around, McAfee's got a new owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the founder went to prison or something. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my my recommendation, and they've come on as a as a partner for the show recently. Malware bites. I've always liked them, but the, like you said, the stuff that's built into Windows is pretty strong on its own. Yeah. For viruses and stuff, I mean, it's not going to catch hardcore Trojans and and you know crypto jackers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is the reason crypto jackers are the reason why I use malware bytes. But uh, AOL, Rip, yep. Who hears that name and goes, ah, security? <laughs> yeah. So definitely best advice if you're on dial up right now you don't have to necessarily you have to use AOL there's there's companies out there that you can get get service dial up service again which fa- this fascinates me in 2021 that there's, there's better we should be, do better on getting broadband to um to all um but there's 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 companies that you can go out, go reach out to to search for for dial up service don't go with AOL, <laughs> please. Just I I mean I, I had AOL many 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 years ago. I use those services. Um, I just have the AOL, just have e, just have the email for my for spam. But <laughs> I have a collection. That's, I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there watching and listening has the uh, <laughs> those discs. But definitely, definitely um, do some research. Definitely look I into have one in here. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I have a few. I, I think I had about a whole boatload that can that can make um, uh, make coasters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's probably one in this drawer. There might be one in the one over there. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's yeah. why I have them. They also yeah. make great frisbees. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful if you hit somebody yes. with it; they'll bleed. Right. <laughs> so please be careful. So definitely, you definitely check. Keep an eye out. You know for other. Um, services are available and just skip AOL because they're going to be, they're going fast. All right. With that, that is the tech news for this week for Friday, May 5th, 2020, excuse me, May 7th, wrong date, long week. <laughs> Sorry, May 7th. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Show notes from this episode can be found at gncweekly.com. Also, be sure to check out the latest tech news and commentary from geeknewscentral.com. Also, be sure to tune in Mondays and Thursday evenings at geeknewscentral.com slash live for the Geek News Central podcast. And then be sure to watch and tune in at gncweekly.com slash live uh, Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern. So please be sure to like and subscribe to the GNC WIR channel on YouTube. Also make sure to click the bell and always select always for notifications so you will not miss uh, you will not miss the next episode. Also be sure to subscribe share this po- also be sure to share this episode to people that you know they can check out this podcast also. Also be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. 
And be sure to tune in to F5 Refreshing Technology with Scott and Abram Pilch Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at f5live.tv slash join us, or be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you have a comment on this week's episode, we love to hear them. Hear them. Head on over to gncweekly.com slash connect and connect via email, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Kirk Corliss. Scott is on Twitter, Triple T M A B O, till the next episode of GNC Week in Review. So long. Ciao.